Welcome to episode three of Digital Digital Get Down. We are your hosts, Heather and Bennett, and we have some big news this week. We officially have five stars on iTunes, thanks to someone who may or may not be related to me. Sure. We have a five-star review, which means we're a perfect podcast right now. Yes, perfect. No one else should review us because we'll always be five stars. Well, no, they can review us and give more five stars. I guess. But the other big news is that we are just shooting up the charts in society and culture podcast category. <laughs> Not true. Uh, iTunes is really pretty crap about how they group and organize podcasts. The bright idea I had this week was that there needs to be a little marking in iTunes, like there is if your podcast is explicit or not, and it needs to tell you whether or not the hosts are a little bit tipsy while they're recording it. So there needs to be a little box to tick, like this has explicit language and these people were drunk while talking about And like, it could be like a number of little martini emojis. That would be adorable. Like three martinis if this person's like on the verge of blackout. What's the sc- like, like drunk history, they'd be like on the verge of blackout. Yeah. What's the scale? Like how many martinis is blackout? Like one to five martinis? One to five, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of what we're drinking, we are not drinking martinis. No. This week we have a... Pinot Grigio from New South Wales, Australia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all right. It's fine. It's getting the job done. <laughs> so this week we are going to start off by giving you an update on uh, what we've been reading and watching this week. Yeah. Um, how are you going with your 9,000-page book that you started last week? <laughs> 4321 by Paul Auster. Every time you say that, I want to start singing that Guster song, yeah. Barrel of a Gun. Um... I'm 330 pages in, so I think I'm more than a third of the way. That's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. We also finished reading the third Mm -hmm. Kel book in the Tamara Pierce's. uh, We have joint books because we're annoying like that. We are an annoying literary couple. And also because I like to force you to read books that I like, even though I know you would probably not usually make the time to do so. That's true. But you gave it a good review for you. Yeah. So far, this protector of the small... Quartet. She's not protecting a small quartet. It's the protector of the small, and it's a quartet, as in there's four books in the series. Yeah. yeah. We have also been watching some TV. Mm -hmm. Um, I complained all the way through an episode of Silicon Valley today. Yeah, you were very annoying. That guy is the worst. Middle-ditched. I don't don't even know his his name, but he is, Mm, he's awful. said it, yeah. He's, no, he's so annoying. He's the worst character ever, and I wish he would just go off the show. So I won't watch that show with you around anymore. I like the show. I just don't want to see his face. Like, I wish he would leave the show, and I think I'd enjoy it a lot more. (sighs) Um, I also just made you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine with me, which I know is not a show you're super That was fine, but the Geese movie ahead of that was what? (laughs) We were skimming through some Mm. Australian TV, which is always an interesting endeavor. Um, mostly it's just reruns of MASH and very old Graham Norton episodes. Yeah. Uh, but tonight they had some old movies on. They had, um, Jumanji, which is on, I feel like, every day here. Yeah. And I had Fly Away Home, which is a movie, like, I had forgotten about. I liked that movie as a child. Yeah. Did not realize it was Anna Paquin and Jeff Daniels. Right. And that Anna Paquin had her, like, original New Zealand accent. It was very strange. But there's there's a lot of plot just holes in a lot of a lot of long shots of geese. Just, yeah, like, I feel like 80% of the movie is just these majestic shots of geese with music in the background. Yeah. And just avoiding the plot holes. I think, I've, I think I've thought about geese, like, maybe 45 seconds in my entire life. And somehow the geese have just captured the attention of the entire country. 
Yeah. In the movie, you mean, yeah. not in real life. Yeah, no. <laughs> not in real life. Um, and last night, the Australian TV was so bad oh, really, really that bad. you suggested that we watch, because Harry Potter is Philosopher's Stone. Correct. They called it on the TV guide, Philosopher's Stone. Yes. But then did the intro shot show the Sorcerer's Stone logo? Good question. We missed it. We missed it. Um, instead of watching that, although they were very adorable, mm-hmm. uh, Bennett here suggested that we watch a very Potter musical. It's kind of joking, but yeah. You said to put it on and you switched it to the Apple TV, so you gave me okay. a little go-ahead, okay. um, which was fun, and that was even a pre-Glee um, fangirl yeah. experience for me, so that was fun nostalgia, and you laughed quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people probably haven't heard what it is, so... Right. It is... I'm usually very skeptical of Harry Potter parody things, because yeah. there's a lot of them, and sometimes they're not very funny or very awkward, but this is a hilarious Harry Potter parody musical from a group of people from University of Michigan's theater department, mm-hmm. most notably Darren Criss. The who is sexy Darren Criss. The yeah. sexy Darren Criss. Uh, and it's it's hilarious. How and, old is it now? Uh, eight years old. That's what I was just... It was 2009. Wow. So that made me feel old as well, because I it's, remember watching that and going to see them in concert. And It's on YouTube in bits, just like everything else that Heather watches. At least so these ones can... are like eight-minute bits, though, not two-minute bits. Sure. And there's a proper playlist. Yeah. And I'll maybe force you to watch the Harry Potter sequels in time as well. Sure. All right. So we'll stop rambling about that, and we'll get into our first segment. Uh, no, we're going to pause, because you have a little oh. story to tell. You dropped this on me yesterday, and I told you to stop halfway through because you had to save it for the podcast. I still have no idea how this story came about. So, as previously mentioned, I work at a science museum, um, mostly a children's museum, I would say, although we do have some adult it events. caters to children. Yeah, we do a lot of school events and uh, school programs. Hmm. So, yesterday, I was walking back after one of my presentations, and I saw a man sitting alone at the cafe uh-huh. wearing this wolf hat. And I thought it was one of those weird animal hats that like teenagers wear now. Like the, pa- with the like panda the with panda the ears? Yeah. Or the cat or something. And I was sure. like... It is winter here in Australia. Almost. Is it? I don't know. Anyway, it's colder. So I was like, okay, maybe this man is just wearing a strange hat. And I walked closer and he had a tail. Like a full wolf tail just hanging <laughs> off the edge of the, the seat. Do wolves have long tails? Yeah. They have pretty long tails. Like his was reaching the ground? Um, almost. Like from what the chair he was sitting in. What kind of pants was he wearing? Just normal clothing. Normal pants, a normal shirt. He, but he just had a wolf tail, a hat, and gloves. So, of course, I go around to everyone. I'm like, have you seen the wolf man? Have you seen the man with the tail? <laughs> so all of the staff are like, like gossiping about this man with the tail. And then someone's like, I'm pretty sure he's a full-on furry. Like when he came to the admissions desk, he asked for a wolf priced ticket like as opposed to an adult ticket or a discount ticket he asked for a wolf ticket right so you're referring to him as a furry and when you used this word yesterday i assumed that you were trying to remember the word furby and you couldn't recall it (laughs) that was also the funny part when we were gossiping among the staff because half of the people we then had to explain what a furry was which i had to do please explain because i still don't don't really want to go too deeply into it on this podcast we're not that explicit my interpretation wait what it's (laughs) It's like a sexual fetish. Wow, and you let this person into a children's museum. He was very nice. He said hi to me when he walked by me. And he wasn't like being creepy towards any of the children, but it was creepy that he was there at okay. a kids' museum by himself. So I don't really know what, I don't even know how to say it. Cosplay? Is sure, that how you say it? Sure. So he's doing that with nature. Pretty much. He's cosplaying animals. 
Okay. To some extent. Or maybe just a really big fan of Teen Wolf. So we're hoping, yeah, we're hoping that he's here because there is a convention in town, like a fan convention this weekend, and he was maybe just killing some time yesterday in, like, science. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's pretty creepy. So we're going yeah. with that explanation. Um, it did make for an interesting work day, though. It livened it up a little bit around the museum yesterday. Good. Um, but I think that's more than enough talk of furries on this podcast, at least for this week. Yeah. Uh, so now, why don't we go into our good news, bad news segment. Good news! Bad news. There's our theme song. There yeah. we go. Um, so did you want to start with your good news for this Am week? I starting? We just discussed it and I already forget. Yeah, you can start with your good news. Go ahead. Okay. My good news this week, I'm going to talk about sports because we're a wide-ranging podcast. Is it about Australian sports? Um, not really. Okay. It's about tennis. Okay. I'm a pretty big tennis fan, and tennis is a relatively big sport, actually, in Australia. Well, because of the Australian Open, especially in Melbourne. Right. So Melbourne's kind of the center of it because it hosts the Australian Open. We've now been to three of the Australian Opens live. Um, this year's tournament was really good. Love of my life, Roger Federer, uh, was coming back from a real painful injury. Facing my tennis love, Rafael Nadal. Well, yeah, he made it all the way to the finals. No one expected him to do well at all. Both of just... them did. You could be talking about either of them. They both came off injuries. Yeah, it's fine. Rafa is a wet rat, but that's He's fine. He's injured every year, and his hair is often wet, but he's still, I was yeah. very excited about him. Uh, but Roger won, and I screamed a lot, and it was good. It was awesome. Now, on the women's side... Miss Serena Williams won, which I was not really rooting for. Well, I wanted Venus to win. Like, Serena's won enough. I thought Venus maybe needed the trophy more. Yeah, so their last match wasn't even close at all, and Serena won easily. I've never really been a big fan of hers. Uh, She's had some run-ins with umpires and lines people and stuff, and I've just... um, She's very intense. Definitely. And my biggest issue with her this year was her fashion sense. Which she's always, like, lauded for. And we've talked, stealing my word from the other podcast. Yeah. We've talked before about how there's not very good choices for the women. Like, mm. but the men don't dress very well either, yeah. to be equal. Like, yeah. especially like Andy Murray. God, that's terrible outfits he chooses. Yeah. So, really, the fashion overall is not great. And Serena kind of tried to take a chance, I think, with some fashion-y outfits. But yeah. they were... Well, she, like, took years off from tennis to go be, like... A fashion expert and clearly it did not work out well maybe you just don't understand fashion maybe you're not the target audience for her tennis fashion so anyways my good news for this week which i could have brought up last week but i thought it was going to get played out so much in the news that i wasn't even going to talk about it is that uh she announced that she is pregnant and she is 20 weeks pregnant which means she was pregnant when she won the australian open yeah and i expected that to be all over the news and be like the biggest sports story of the year so far. And like no one was talking about it. I've seen it on Twitter a bit. Sure. But most of the stories I've seen are about, oh, did she mean to post that first Snapchat about it or not? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, that's like the most impressive physical feat I've like ever heard of. I saw a tweet that was like, Serena Williams won an Australian Open while pregnant so men can shut up about everything forever. That's pretty much how I felt. <laughs> Because, like, she, while carrying a baby, yeah. she won one of the most difficult tennis competitions ever. And at, and she's not young, either, for, no. for tennis. No. And she blew everyone away for those entire two weeks. Yeah, like, not even a chance, not even a no. lost set. Didn't Wasn't there something about, like, she didn't yeah. even lose a set no, or she something? she crushed everyone. And so, I mean, like, that fetus, that fetus now has one grand slam before yes. it even pops out. Yes. That's amazing. And so, yeah, I think she has to be, like, Sports Illustrated's Person of the Year. 
And if ESPN still exists, she, she should win, like, the SB for Athlete of the Year. Yeah, and if she doesn't, it's the biggest combination of racism and sexism I've ever seen. Yeah, because we know, you know, a few friends who have, who have been pregnant, and it's like a physical... You're, drain from day yeah, one. They're exhausted. They're sick the whole time. They're like morning sickness. Like sure. Rafa puked the other the other year because he was warm. He was probably pregnant too. <laughs> I'm just saying, like uh, it's yeah. very very impressive. And like most people have those photos where where it can be like, oh look, you were with mommy when she was at the beach. Yeah. And, like this fetus, well, this baby will have. You were with mommy when she won the Australian Open against Auntie uh, yeah. Venus. <laughs> like I almost want to go back and watch some of her matches and be like, holy crap, she was pregnant during this. She was growing a human being and yeah. probably was sick and exhausted. Yeah, and her quotes, her quotes about it are just like, yeah, I had no energy, but I just had to push through it. I was like, God, what a badass. I don't really like you at all. I always you hope respect. you lose, but damn. You got to respect that. There, I do have a bit of a conspiracy theory, though. Okay. Because we watched the post-match coverage when she won the final, mm-hmm. and some Nike representatives brought out some special shoes for her. Do you remember that? They were Chicago Bulls colors because she had just won her 23rd... Grand Slam, which is Michael Jordan's number. Okay. So they gave her these special red and black shoes to say, oh, you're just like Jordan now. Um, but she made a joke on the telecast saying, well, I guess I can't win for the rest of this year because I won't be able to wear them because I'll have more than 23. But now she's going to take the rest of the year off because she's pregnant. So she's going to be stuck on 23. So I think Nike tried to knock her up. Nike knocked her. Nike paid her boyfriend. Her awkward Reddit founder boyfriend. I think that's a bit of an aggressive theory, but okay. that's fine. Uh, but Michael Jordan never won a championship while creating another human being. As far as so. we know, he took that year off to play baseball, and there are rumors. <laughs> you never know what happens with aliens. I mean, Space Jam. Space you Jam, never know shout what, out. What got up to up there in space. So, that was my good news. Oh, wait, I forgot. I had other good news to start with. We're cheating a bit this week. That's okay. Well, I think most people have probably heard about this, but there's another update in the... Lion King live-action remake <laughs> news. Yes, Billy Eichner, our boy Billy. Yeah, Billy on the Street is perhaps Billy being on picked... The for Timba, did I say that right? Timon. Sorry, I just combined both their <laughs> Like you're shipping that to Timba as the gay. Timon with Seth Rogen, who I'm not as excited about for Pumbaa. But Pumbaa's supposed to be like a little bit annoying. That's fine now. Um, I can just really picture Billy saying, my best friend Pumbaa. <laughs> and doing like the hula, the hula thing from The yeah. Lion King. yeah. Um, yeah, that, I've already posted that on our Twitter, I think, because it was an update oh, okay. from last week, so. And there's one interview with John Favreau, the director, and the headline was, John Favreau explains how the Lion King re- re- remake will work. And in it, he just said, yeah, I know I have to do a good job, because a lot of people love Lion King. Yeah, and also Jungle Book remake exists, so right. was we his whole quote. still don't know whether or not the animals will be talking. <laughs> so... I'm going to do one short good news before my actual good news as sure, well. I'll allow it. Have you ever seen that movie, That Thing You Do? Yes. Do you do that thing you do? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that there was like a reunion? Yes. I got confused though because I, I remember Tom Hanks being in the movie. So I was like, oh wait, Tom Hanks sang with them? But he was like no, the he agent. Was the, he was yeah. their um, manager. Manager, yeah, yeah. Um, so I usually find those a little bit sad because they're kind of old now. Yeah. But I, wa- I did watch the clip and it was actually really cute. And they were like rocking out and it still sounded really good. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely recommend watching that clip. That was that's a fun such movie, a, yeah. Yeah, that's such a weird movie that nobody ever like remembers or nobody groups it into any sort of like no. nostalgic categories. But I was excited to see that. But I already yeah. picked a good news. So I'll go into my real good news. Okay. Anastasia, the musical. 
Okay. I think this is my good news. So Disney Anastasia, you're saying? It's not actually Disney. <gasps> it's like DreamWorks or something. Really? I believe so. Okay. It's not actually Disney. Um, anyways, it is a an animated movie mm-hmm. that does not hold up very well. Do you remember we watched that a few years That's ago? That's what I was going to bring up, yeah. <laughs> the animation was terrible. Yeah. Like really good songs. Yeah. Terrible animation. I often get the song stuck in my head, but then that one time when we went back to watch it, it was not good. No. Um, but because the songs are good, I'm kind of excited about the musical. I'd like mm-hmm. to see it. I've heard they changed something. I was reading an article that they changed the entire plot. She's not Russian. <laughs> not that much of a plot. Okay. She is Russian, but um, who's the evil like, wizard uh, Rasputin. Guy? He's not in it at all. Who's the villain? Then? They make the villain this like uh, soldier of the new regime that's uh-huh. like hunting her down because she's like a traitor to Mother Russia. Hmm. Um, so they make I guess it this awkward love triangle where he like loves her, like kind of creeps on her when she's like on the street, uh-huh. but then is hunting down her so that she can't come back and like take over the regime because she's wow. um, one of the wrong Royalty, Romanovs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, I still really want to see it because I like okay. it. But I am getting a little bit sick of like every animated thing becoming a musical. Yeah. Like we went to see Aladdin, yeah. which was pretty good. We've already, don't sing it. We've already talked about that <laughs> on the podcast. I saw they were making a Frozen one coming okay. out. The biggest problem though is they're not making the two animated movie musicals that we actually want. Right. We need to have a goofy movie musical. That would be the greatest it would thing be ever. Amazing. Yeah. And my pick would be Prince of Egypt. Yeah. I've only seen it the one time. Okay, we need to watch that. We missed it. We missed Easter and Passover. That's true. Maybe next year. Okay. So that is my favorite and also has amazing songs. And it won um, something for that When You Believe song. Okay. So it's like Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey duet. And it won an award for that. So that would be amazing too. I don't know why they haven't done that one. I don't know if they're like afraid of the like um, religious side of it or what, but mm-hmm. it would be an amazing musical. Cool. So transitioning to our bad news segment. Um, did you want to start this one? Yeah, I can go. Okay, go ahead. I have two, two, two related Okay, things. we can't keep doing two things, but I have it's two as well. It's good news. It's plural. That's true. Bad news. Okay, bad news for this week. Let's I'm talking about... Jedi. I'm talking about technology. All right. Sports and technology. Like, yeah. Yeah. Why back to your old self. Yeah. Um... So, two bits of technology news kind of pissed me off this week. Number one was um, a report that Spotify is going to launch a hardware division. RIP RDO. Right. So, I pretty much hate Spotify. I won't go on as long of a rant like I did about Netflix last week. Oh, but... the Spotify app is just the worst, too, though. I'd like it more if its app was more user-friendly and not useless. Yeah. So, I was a big supporter of the service RDO, which was a music streaming service, and it got killed off at the end of last year, got bought by Pandora, which is now supposedly converting it into their own service, but they've sort of launched it, but you can't really use it on computers and stuff, so I'm frustrated with that so we're paying for spotify right now and their software is just so buggy and the the mac app is terrible my poor wife over here has tried to sync this frank turner cd to her phone and it now shows up it now shows up in my album list 12 times it's a good cd but it's not worth that much every time i go to listen to it it's like you haven't synced this you've only synced one song god damn you frank turner and the when you make a playlist, which I know I support playlists, you don't typically. Yeah. Um, I was mostly recently making an embarrassingly sappy playlist for some of my favorite uh, book characters that we're going to talk about later. Okay. But you cannot 
arrange the songs. You no. cannot change the song order from the mobile app. I had to like go onto the computer like un- like a grandma. Yeah. And to drag and drop to drag and drop the right. order of the playlist. I could if anyone out there knows how to change that on mobile on the mobile app, please let me know because it drives me crazy. So this company now feels like they're ready to move into physical devices because they've clearly mastered <laughs> software. So they're hiring for this uh, this hardware division, and the news stories about it said they have no idea what kind of device it's going to be, what it's going to do, but they want to start building it. Are we going full circle back to they're going to make like an, like an iPod Nano? It's going to be like the Spotify Nano? The theories are it's either a little device that will have uh, Spotify streaming, you know, over cell signal, or maybe headphones with Spotify built in. Either way, pretty much guarantee they'll be crap and won't I work. mean, the headphones would actually be kind of cool if you could just have it in the headphones and not need a separate device. Maybe. But it would be terrible. They're going to be terrible. Although I do support going back to having different things on different devices. I got okay. a phone... A music-only device, you're saying? Yeah. Like I, like, I upgraded my phone to have more space so it's not constantly telling me it's out of space yet. But having all your photos and all your music and everything else on your phone, yep. plus the internet on your phone, they don't actually give you enough enough data or enough mm-hmm. space on here or on the cloud or whatever to actually do that. Humans are not meant to multitask. Or we multitask too much and it gives us too much stress and anxiety. There you go. So, anyways, I support the idea of that, but I would not buy a Spotify device. No. God, their app is terrible. Okay, so that was one. The other device news was, have you heard about the new Amazon gadget they came out with? I don't even, I forget what it's called, the Echo Look or something. It's not the one that plays porn for little kids? No, that was different. Okay. Uh, this one you're supposed to put in your bedroom. It's a camera and you're supposed to take selfies in front of it as if it was a mirror. And it sends... Sex tapes. That is only going to be used correct, for sex Correct, correct. So that's one issue. They're, they're going to send your photos over the network to Amazon servers where they're going to use an algorithm with with expert fashion advice built in and it's going to come back and the device is going to tell you i think through wor- spoken word outfit ideas whether or not your outfit matches and looks good on you why is that necessary apparently people cannot get advice from normal human beings so we've now invented ai for that that seems First of all, like a really good way for Amazon to just like store all weird information about you and also a really good way for you to accidentally send your sex tape to everyone at Amazon. Yeah. It's just a terrible idea all the way around, you know. And if you were going to do that, why would you trust Amazon for fashion advice? It should be like Vogue doing that. Definitely. I want Tim Gunn like on my FaceTime. true. Make it work. (laughs) So not buying that. Can't recommend it. Two thumbs down. All right. My bad news of the week. I'm going to cheat a little bit as well. My first one, I don't even care enough to give it a lot of talk time. Hmm. Why is everything unicorn flavored? Unicorn flavored? What are you eating? Have you really not seen this? Have you not been on the internet? No. The unicorn frappuccino thing at Starbucks? You haven't seen anything of that? No, nothing. What does it mean? What does it taste like? I don't know. It just looks like... Rainbow like vomit. rainbow sprinkles. Rainbow is gonna be vomit. It's just all rainbow. So that's colored. the new pumpkin spice. Yes, that's like the spring version. Apparently, is, is unicorn flavor. Mm. Now all of those little Facebook how to cook whatever yeah. videos are all like how to make unicorn cupcakes, how Ew. to make unicorn ice cream, and it's just rainbow things. Like all that's special about a unicorn is that it has one horn, correct? Like I don't know where the thing of like unicorns are covered in sprinkles and mm. poop rainbows came from, but mm. apparently now you can get Starbucks drinks. 
Good to know. I just don't get it. Luckily, there's only like one Starbucks in, in Melbourne. Melbourne yeah. So, anyways, that is all the that things. is bad. That's bad. bad news. That is bad. Um, my other thing is a little bit similar in terms of I'm sick of people being obsessed with stupid shit. Okay. If I see, you can change the segment segment name to that if you want. <laughs> bad news is just people obsessed with stupid shit. Yeah. Like, side characters from TV shows yeah. that aren't worth the time. If I see one more article about Barb from Stranger Things... Oh, she was such a cock block. I don't even care about her cock blocking because her friend was being stupid. Yeah. And I do feel bad that she got, like, eaten in a swimming pool. <sighs> but I just don't understand she was not that interesting of a character. She no. had, like, four lines. And everything is about, like, justice for Barb. I don't get oh. it. I don't understand. She's from, having a fine time on the on the upside down. She's doing just fine. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I just I think she fits in more there. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> uh, I just am sick of like it's kind of like that culture of you can't just like something. Like yeah. you can't just casually be like, oh, that was kind of a fun side character. Too bad she's not on the show anymore. It has to be like hashtag justice for Barb. Like yeah. and no, it makes people feel good that they're like, oh, we know. Everything about all the little side characters, so we're real fans. I guess, but like the the show has been the first season has been over for ages. Like, yeah. why do these articles still keep coming out? I understand with like Twitter kind of culture, you have to keep pumping out content to get people mm-hmm. to follow you. But can you not make it about stupid side characters? I'm done. I'm over it. Let's be serious. Stranger Things was awesome because of one Eleven was that her name? Yes. And two Dustin. Yes. That exactly. was yeah. Own your lisp, and you. If they had out. Halloween here, I would have mm-hmm. been Eleven for Halloween. Yeah. I also like the theory that she is a young alternate universe Leslie Nope because of how much she's obsessed with waffles. Okay. I guess I see that. All right, uh, so we got to get into our main segments because this is going to be a long podcast. I don't even have time to make black apron jokes. we got to jump straight don't into it. scare the people away. Um, just a reminder, our one actual sponsor, yeah. Book Digits, a smarter yeah. way to explore books. B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. Right. Make a free review, track your reading goal, get cool book suggestions, and track your to-read list, and don't make it 500 books long like mine. That's right. Okay, I'll go ahead and introduce our first main segment. Uh, we're going to talk about the television show Girls from HBO, which just wrapped its uh, final season. Series finale. Series finale. Yep. So I did not start watching Girls at the beginning. I don't think I've ever seen season one still. I think at that point in time, I probably wasn't a good enough feminist to care enough about a show called Girls. I think I was scared away by it. Also, I don't think I had HBO at the time. Probably not. Yeah. I forced you to... St- we started watching it in New York that time, right? Yes. Oh, that is that makes sense because it's a New York-based show. That's why I wanted to watch it. We were there to watch Aladdin. We got there yeah. the night before. That was like the funnest part of that trip was yeah. getting drunk in the hotel room with the free wine. Because it was your birthday and I told them we got free wine. Yeah. Thank you, Doubletree. Shout out. <laughs> so... And you got all the cookies because I can't eat Not them. a sponsor of the show, but their cookies are pretty good. And you got extra because it was my birthday. I always get extra cookies because you're gluten-free. You can't eat them. It's true. So that's when we started watching it because yeah. I was, I think I was trying to catch up on, it was probably season two, like halfway through season two. Yeah. And I was like, we're in New York. We get HBO in this hotel room. So We what? binged it. So we binged it up until yeah. very late at night. Yeah. And then that got you hooked. You were like, this is actually a decent show. Yeah. And yeah, one of the things I wanted to say was that... Uh, I normally hate New York City. I never want to live there. I like to visit there on occasion, but not for too long. I know. I often say that to people here when they ask about 
America, because um, everyone's kind of fascinated with it here. And yeah. like, New York is terrible. Like, it's fine to go to some of the different neighborhoods if you have friends living there. And yeah. like, it's, I guess, worth going to see Times Square or like a Broadway show. But like, don't spend your entire vacation around going to New York City. Right. So maybe the nicest thing I have to say about this show is that it almost made me like New York City. All right. Watching it over the years. Uh, they still made Brooklyn hipsters to be pretty annoying, but... But they did it on purpose, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it showed some nice parts of New York. You know, it's kind of grungy, but you saw some of the charm, I guess, is all I wanted to say. And that's how I feel about New York in general, is that I have friends who live there or have lived there, and when you go and visit them to where people actually live in New York, yeah. I think it can be fairly charming. Yeah, yeah. It's just the big skyscrapers, like in Midtown, and sure. the touristy parts that are very overrated. Yeah, so I think that, uh, looking back on my favorite episodes, I think they were all ones that took place in New York City. They tended to, especially in a lot of the later seasons, to jump to road trips and things where they would get out into the suburbs and stuff with yeah, that, that set with the beach house and stuff. Those ones always felt like a little too overdone, a little yeah, too, too cliche. Yeah. So I thought the ones in the city were the best. So I think we're going to focus mainly on the final season, which just came out, which we just finished watching earlier this week. Question for you, Heather. Okay. Bye. Do you think this show, girls, did more harm or good for the millennial... Um, Persona. Are you trying to like bring in your journalism uh, degree here? Yeah, I'm question? hard hitting. Um, I think in the earlier seasons, it was probably more harm. They were kind of ridiculous, self-centered characters, and mm. they were de- they were meant to be younger, like just out of college, moving to the city, following their ridiculous dreams. Yeah. But I don't know if. The characters, especially Hannah, the main character, Lena Dunham's character, I don't know if they got better or, like, if I got worse. Hmm. Because I remember in the first seasons, I would just be like, oh, my God, these are the worst characters. Like, you almost wanted to watch it like a car crash because you knew they were making terrible decisions, spiraling out of control, and it was just kind of interesting to watch, Mm -hmm. like, wait for the the shoe to fall, if you will. Yeah. And now, like, in this last season, I found myself going, oh, my God, that's me. Oh, fuck, I've definitely said that. Like, often. Not with... Uh, Marnie, because she is not. my least favorite, probably TV character good, of all time. You have such a good singing voice, though. <laughs> I have a, as good of a singing voice as her, which is not a compliment <laughs> to her, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like I used to kind of think of them as these ridiculous, overdone, like, caricatures of millennials. Yeah. And in the last season, I don't know if they've matured or if I've just somehow gotten more self-centered. Oh, but I found myself relating a lot more to the characters. And I think in a good way. I think that means that they've taken the characters on a pretty decent journey in six yeah. six seasons. I think so, yeah. Um, and so they ha- they've actually have grown, hopefully, except for Marnie, that bitch. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the issues, I think, I mean, this show routinely got ripped apart by critics and stuff, and I think it was because Lena Dunham, the actress and writer and supposed feminist, got blended too much with her character, so people would attack both at the same time. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like the worse um, Lena Dunham gets in real life, the better Hannah gets, Mm. the character. Because same thing, back when Lena Dunham was just this, like, cute, young female, like... uh, She was cute? Um, cute and like, uh, as opposed to beautiful. Quick interjection is she's still dating Jack Antonoff. Yes, they just had their like five year anniversary or something. I Quick saw an message about it. to Jack. Bleachers ain't that good, dude. You had one real good song. Maybe they're on equal footing then. And a lot of 80s crap. And you broke up the band fun, so screw you. Well, I think Nehru's broke up the, fan, the band with all his songs about his mom. <laughs> so, yeah, I just feel like Lean Dunham was kind of this quirky, young... Yeah, you still laughing about that? 
I feel like Liam Donovan was kind of this quirky young female like TV writer and producer that you kind of gave her a lot of credit for that. And Hannah was annoying and self-centered mm. and like the opposite of that. And now Lena Dunham has become very full of herself and has said some very questionable things. And once again, seems to think she's like the white savior of feminism, yeah. but Hannah has gotten better or more developed compared to that. Yeah. I was almost going to drop this in the bad news segment. Did you see the news brief about Lena Dunham? Which she's one? taking, she has this newsletter that some people subscribe to oh, apparently Lenny. the Lenny. email, Lenny. the email chain. She's the headline was she's taking her newsletter on tour. Apparently newsletters can tour now. And what this basically adds up to is that she's gonna go sit in probably empty theaters and talk about whatever she writes about. She's in the gonna newsletter. do a college tour and it's gonna well, be. Well, this packed. was the best part, is that they only had eight dates and they were all in the middle of America, middle of nowhere. And so she apparently wants to get in touch with the Midwest. With Blue Collar America, like Chris yeah. Pratt made that comment. She's going to get eaten. Did, literally. <laughs> um, did you see that Chris Pratt made that comment and then took it back? What? About eating Middle Americans? <laughs> he made a comment about how Blue Collar Americans never have any movies made for them. <gasps> and then came back on Twitter and was like, yeah, that was a pretty stupid thing to say. I'll own up to that. It's okay. He's adorable. So I respect that he owned up to it and he didn't try to like cover it up with a PR message. He was just yeah. like, yeah, that was stupid. And it was in an interview. And Heather, like, let me look up your symptoms on the computer right now. <laughs> it looks like you have internet connectivity disorder. <laughs> Network connectivity <laughs> problems. <laughs> Parks and Rec. We're going to have a lot of like random Parks and Rec interjections that nobody's going to understand. Um, so what else do we want to talk about? Was there anything else from this season specifically wanted to get into? Well, you made some good points about the last two episodes, which we just watched this week. Oh, okay, can I first say about that? Can we one? use the word penultimate? That means the one before the last it one. It does. Yeah. Um, before we get to that, can I talk about one other episode I liked this season? Sure. Speaking of Lean Dunham as a questionably useful feminist, mm-hmm. um, there was that one really good episode. It was in called the American House. Bitch. Yeah, that was, it was powerful. I kept, mm-hmm. like, being like, oh, fuck, and, like, at the screen. It was the standalone episode where she was interviewing a famous literary author based on, unsure of who, but someone, some male author. Who had allegedly yeah. uh, assaulted or mm, questionably consent. Coerced, yeah. Coerced, uh, like, young college students into having sex with him or doing sexual acts with him. Right. And he went there. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen the episode, but it's actually a fantastic episode. She goes there. He kind of turns himself into the victim, making it seem like she's attacking him and he's the one that, um, you know, was being victimized here, the loser of this situation because his career is ruined or whatever. And then as soon as he has kind of... Won her... As soon as he has, like, soothed her, won her over... Yeah. He then tries to get her to do sexual things with him. Yeah, there was like an animatronic penis that showed up. It was uncomfortable. Yeah, and it was just a masterfully done episode of how even someone who's smart and on it, as Hannah is portrayed in this episode of like, she goes there because she has written an article about how he sexually assaulted women. Yeah. You'd think she would be like aware and know what what the warning signs are. And even she ends up getting kind of a... uh, groped or assaulted by him later on in the episode and not even in like a, a violent way in just no. a real creepy quiet way yeah. and I thought it was just a really powerful episode like I said she has said some not very feminist things in her attempt to be a good feminist right did you see that article when she said she wished she'd had an abortion so yes. she could talk to people yeah. about it yeah uh so that kind of stuff uh she doesn't always use her filter she missed the mark a bit 
And she's done that quite a few times. <laughs> um, but I thought that episode was actually really well done. Yeah. Uh, and their standalone episode seems to be very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. That was the other one you liked from the previous season. Right. The only good recent one with Marnie was the one where after she married Crazy Desi... Uh, she walked out on him and spent the whole day walking across New York City, ran into the old boyfriend, bought a really skimpy dress, ended up falling in a lake, and got then walked, mugged. yeah, well, got mugged, walked home without shoes. That was a pretty cool episode. Too. Yeah, and that was another st- solid standalone. Yeah. Um, so let's get to the end. The uh, end of this series. The the last couple episodes were questionable. There was that mm. episode where Hannah and Adam get back together for like a hot yeah, second. Yeah. And I can see that Hannah was freaking out. If anyone hasn't watched this season yet or doesn't follow the show, Hannah finds out she's pregnant, very accidentally pregnant from like a one night stand yep. on a beach. With a Star Wars. <gasps> With Riz, Riz Ahmed. So she dates, she loves Star Wars actors. That's true. She had the whole cast of Star Wars and Hamilton. Yeah. There were so many, so many Hamilton cameos. I wonder whose lightsaber was bigger. <laughs> I would. Uh, I don't know. Um, Vroom. What was that sound supposed That's to be? The sound effect of. No, that sounds like a dog. We'll put the sound effect in after. It'll sound awesome. <laughs> um. So. There was that episode where she's basically freaking out about raising a child on her own. She's yeah. decided she wants to keep the baby, but has not really much contact with the baby's biological father. Adam decides he all of a sudden wants to raise Hannah's baby. He's not over Hannah. This very awkward, not very believable episode of the two no. of them getting together. And it just seems like a bit of a waste of an episode. The, the producers basically said it was like the last fling for Hannah and Adam. Right. But they were terrible for each other. And it was actually the last time Adam was on screen. So I didn't think that was a very good send off no, for him. Me neither. And like Jessa has had it the worst this season. She's yeah. had so many people are just so rude to her. And she hasn't, for once, she actually hasn't done very much wrong. <laughs> and was trying yeah like some of the other seasons she is very selfish and stupid and kind of deserves when people get mad at her this season she just like was on the shit end of the stick or whatever that's not right (laughs) we're inventing new things she got the short end of the stick there you go (laughs) the end of the stick so go ahead and talk about how much you love the penultimate episode when hannah stumbles into shoshana's engagement party i guess there was a time jump so she doesn't know shosh is engaged but the four core girl characters all show up and kind of have their bitch fest. And they hadn't really had, maybe even in the whole season, a time when all four of them had been together because they've all gone their separate ways, been in so many different fights. But this, I'm going to pretend this was the finale. We'll talk about how bad the actual finale was, but like in my head, this was the finale and the actual finale is like an optional epilogue that I'm choosing to ignore. So the penultimate episode is really good. They actually go and like have it out in this bathroom meeting at Shoshana's engagement party, which so realistic to real life, uh, ridiculous conversations that you would have at a party, I think. Hmm. And it's this really good conversation. It really does kind of end all of their friendships very well, give it some closure. Yeah, I thought maybe a little bit too much closure with Hannah and Jessa making up. I know it was a very emotional moment. I will argue with you there. I really liked the Hannah and Jessa moment. I did it first, but the line Hannah uses, she says, we were all just trying to do our best. And Jessa agrees, but Jessa stole her boyfriend that was trying to do her best? They weren't even dating when they started. Hannah and Adam were already broken up. And also, Jessa's the one that says, our best was pretty shitty. That's true. That was Our best was the worst, or whatever the line was. Um, So I actually quite liked that part of it. I 
the bathroom chat, I was just happy. I was a little afraid they were going to be like, let's all be friends again. Instead, Shoshana was like, no, you guys are the worst to me. You're not supportive. I'm going to go like move on with my life. And I thought that was kind of nice that they weren't just forcing them together for a happy ending. But But then they could all dance at the end in almost the same vicinity. Yeah. It was very reminiscent to some of the like older episodes and I really liked that I thought that was realistic I did like Jessa and Hannah's thing mostly because Jessa was the only one who even like bought her baby clothes or was nice Hmm. about it like Marnie was kind of just like making it all about her like I'm gonna be a good friend and support (laughs) you she didn't even tell Shoshana Adam just tried to like be her husband Elijah was like you have to stay here and we have to be miserable together like Jessa was the only one who was like here is some clothes for your baby like completely unselfishly like here's something I bought for you and your baby because I was thinking of you I know we're fighting but I still wish the best for your baby like Mm -hmm. I really liked that moment but yeah the very very end of that episode Mm -hmm. I'm gonna imagine it's the end of the show so they come out of the bathroom Hannah and Joseph had a moment that's like a little bit awkward and maybe too emotional but they have this moment so they're on okay terms Marnie's just being her usual bitch self (laughs) but they're all kind of separate in this little apartment party and then they all start dancing and they all dance together and there's this moment from Hannah perspective where she looks at her friends dancing and it's just like happy that they are all happily dancing even though they're fighting even though they're maybe not even going to be friends when they leave that room and like especially as someone who's decently introverted I very much relate to that perspective of like you don't Mm -hmm. even need to be talking to someone or holding hands with someone or dancing with someone to still just feel that joy of like I'm here my friends are here we're safe and we're happy Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really beautiful moment, and I'm, like, actually mad they didn't end the se- the series on that. I think they wanted it to be a really artsy show, so they said we have to put in a real finale that will kind of be a little bit edgy, and I think it failed completely. Totally failed. So in the, in the dancing scene from the penultimate episode, they also interjected uh, scenes of Hannah making the decision that she's going to take this university job, move upstate, and, like, get a house for her and the baby. Yeah. And she's happy with that decision. So they interject, like, her being having this happy New York, final New York moment with her friends, yeah. with her making the decision that she had struggled with all episode to move on with her life, go make a smart choice for her and her child, take a, take a steady job, have a house, a better place to raise a kid. And I thought that was the perfect way to end it. Yeah. Showing the New York finale and her friends for the last time, but also showing what her future's going to look like. But it was too neat for Lena Dunham because they had to throw in or and Judd Apatow. Apatow. I was going to oh. say that this is like one Judd Apatow project that I can actually stand. So that's another positive in this category. <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, they throw in this actual finale which is an awkward time jump. It's like a, what, a couple, couple months. months after the baby's birth. Um, and yeah, Marnie has come deciding that she wants to be a best friend or maybe Allison Williams was the only actress available that day. So she comes and moves into the house and calls up Hannah's mother when Hannah's struggling with breastfeeding, which happens in every single sitcom or drama about... And Judd Apatow is like, I really think that's like a really unique storyline. Yeah. Like the author notes, like... Oh. Anyways, so it's just this really awkward episode that seemed like it was just designed to let Lena show her titties off one more time. They had a whole scene basically devoted just to her getting to take her pants off outdoors because that's really kooky. And the scene of her in the tub. Yeah, you got to see the tub. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't, it sort of ends on a, on a positive note, but it's just not a very... No, like they, they brought her and Marnie and had this awkward thing. They brought her mom back and there was like... Uh, it just didn't add anything. If anything, it took away some of the nice closure they've had. They had at 
in the previous episode. Yeah. Like, I thought it was the right amount of closure. And in this episode, they tried to give you too much information about what it was like after the baby was born. And it doesn't matter. Like, the the point of that last season was that she's making, like, an adult decision and owning up to a mistake that she's made and makes the decision to move upstate. You don't need to see her struggling with that decision. Everyone knows she's going to fucking struggle with the baby. <laughs> she's, she's never even held a baby. <sighs> like, everyone knows that she's going to struggle with that. You don't need to show on screen that, like, oh, shoot, she doesn't know how to breastfeed. Like, no shit, Hannah's struggling with that. And the worst part of the finale is that she names the child Albus Severus. Just like (laughs) the other worst epilogue (laughs) in history. Funny. Okay, uh, let's get to a real last quick game about girls, which I forgot to prepare for, but we'll do it on the fly. We're going to rank the key core girls' characters. I say let's do it from best to worst and for the whole series whole series i still haven't seen season one so i who knows? am struggling with this because like i said as the um series went on i very much changed my opinion i used to like shoshana the best i've always hated marnie fuck her she's the bottom <laughs> um she's the hot one though oh is she no she's last on mine as well it's okay um i'm actually gonna put hannah at the top all right you run through yours and i'm gonna put I'll hannah at the top i think Assume, like pretending that last episode didn't exist. Okay. I like the journey that Hannah has taken. I found her the most relatable. Maybe it's just because she's the main protagonist. At times, she was absolutely awful and the worst, and it seemed like she was just dragging all of her friends down. But by the end, it seemed like she was the one who had a clear head on her shoulders, yeah. more so than her friends, which isn't yeah. much of a much of a comparison. But I'm going to put her first. Okay. I would have put Shosh second, mm-hmm. but I, she, didn't, she didn't do it for me the last, like the whole Japan storyline mm-hmm. and then the thing with Ray and. Yeah. I think I'm gonna put Jess a second. I think Jess oh, has wow. had a, I think Jess has had an interesting development from the first season as well. Um, so I'm gonna do. We're just doing girls for now. The girls for now, right? Oh, mine's lumped in together. Oh, okay. Um, then I'm gonna put Ray third. Okay. Um, he's just annoying and pretentious and the most ridiculous hipster, but I think he actually is the least selfish of all of them. Like, I think hmm. he actually has a good heart, and I thought it was funny the way they ended his storyline with Aidy Bryant. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll put Shoshana in there. Okay, that's five um, or four. And then Elijah. I didn't really like Elijah in the middle seasons. Mm. Was, where he slept with Marnie that time. That was yeah. weird. He had some weird... And I don't care about him and um, what's-his-face, the bald dude. Yeah. Um, I didn't really care for that storyline. But I liked him in the last season. He came around with Hannah, and he had some interesting things with the musical, and whatever, I'll put him there. And I'm going to put Marnie, like, if I could put Marnie, like, 107th, <laughs> like, I'd like to put, like, side characters before. Oh, and I missed Adam. I'll put Adam. Yeah. Adam and then Marnie. I don't like Adam Oh, God, we all. diverge on this quite a bit. I don't like Adam. He... He's all right, but he made Hannah so much worse. And I just can't believe, I cannot forgive him for just, like, dropping Jessa and going off to try and raise <sighs> Hannah's fucking baby. So You're making Adam's, me rethink all of mine now. You should I have had to go first. first. Adam's second to last, and Marnie is, like, 108th because I hate her. She did nothing but make herself the victim the entire fucking show. And I can't oh even... Okay. You're going to yell at me so much. <laughs> okay, go ahead. You're going to think I'm sexist, first of all. My ranking was... I'm just going to rattle it off, so don't interrupt me. My ranking was... Elijah 1, Adam 2, Hannah 3, Shoshana 4, Ray 5, Jessa 6, and Marnie last. It's not that different from mine. I'm not going to argue with that. Okay. If you're related to Kylo Ren and his evilness. I just then... thought he was such a good actor, especially in the the seasons where he was in almost every episode. Uh, and he was just, yeah, I, he grabbed me. So let me get this straight. In a show called Girls, yeah. your top two characters are men. Yeah. 
Elijah just had like the best one-liners. I mean, this show really made me laugh when it was at its best. I'll have to send you the um, article that was like Elijah's best one-liners. Oh yeah, I'd like to watch that. Um, Anna, Anna, Andrew Rannells is just amazing. Anyway, yeah. they finally let him sing in this last season. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think one of my favorite lines this season. And I talked to uh, my best friend about this too. Was yeah. when he was patting her head on the couch. He's like, oh, "I'm using my pizza hand. I'm just adding grease to this whole situation." That's good. <laughs> and that's so realistic to how I am with some of my yeah. friends. So I quite liked that line. So he he definitely has had some. He was definitely the comic relief. Yeah. With some serious side as well. But we'll post that one liners article if I can find it. Yeah, uh, it was pretty good. All right, we don't need to analyze the rest of my picks. So. <laughs> All right. As long as you have Marnie last, then it's fine. It's not a deal breaker because okay. she's the worst. Okay, it's time for our next segment. The children love the books. <laughs> I thought that was about books that we weren't discussing in. No, anytime we talk okay. about books, I get to say it. Okay. Um, so we're going to be talking about a book series today, again. Uh, a trilogy. Mm-hmm. The trilogy is called The Foxhole Court. The trilogy is actually called All for the Game. Okay. The first book is The Foxhole Court. Okay, and the author is? Nora Sakovic. It sounds right. Sakovic. So it is a self-published book, which we try to support when we can. We love supporting failed authors like ourselves. <laughs> Although this lady's getting some pretty good... She has like a decent amount of fan fiction written about her series. That's really how you have to measure the success it of is. books like, There are a lot of like Tumblr like photo sets yeah. inspired by her series. Alright, so go ahead and try to explain. This is a very <laughs> ambitious series that's set in... What I think is our planet, but it's somewhat of a different reality. So you go ahead and try to explain what so we're talking about. So it is essentially a sports-focused uh, book with a lot of crime in it. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who's thinking, maybe I'm going to read this book, just I should start off by saying there's a lot of trigger warnings. Like lots of violence, yeah. like uh, family violence, child abuse, um, violence, pretty graphic violence on the screen, gun violence, knife yeah. violence, like... It's it's not a book for children, no. um, and if you if you are triggered by any those sorts of things, please don't read it because it does get into a lot of violence. So, the the main character Neil, yep. he is on the run from his father, who is a like mob boss slash murderer. Yes, so the Japanese mafia are at the center of the plot, sort of. Yes, the Japanese mafia, but set like in the U.S. Yeah. Um. So his father worked for them, and he ran away with his mother. And his mother has died, and he's still on the run from this mafia slash his murdering father. And how old is he supposed to be at the beginning? Graduating high school? 18. Okay. Um, he actually might be 17. He's either, eight, like, around 18 Sure. So he is graduating high school, and he plays this sport called Exe, which, which is... does not exist in the real world. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little more in a little bit. It's kind of like a bastardized lacrosse, yeah. but played in, like, an indoor soccer-type court. Okay. So... He plays this sport just for fun at this uh, town that he's kind of hiding out in to finish high school. And he's recruited by this team, the Palmetto Foxes, the Palmetto University Foxes. Right. This is supposed to be a college book, it turns into. Yes. So he's recruited to play on their sports team, except someone on their team knows about his past. Um, So they... Intrigue. So he ends up making the decision to go play for them. And the thing about this team is they're all kind of tortured past um, players that need a second chance to be able to get a university degree and play Yeah, sport. like I thought the Mighty Ducks was a cast of outfits. These, this is outfits. like... Outfits. What did I say? <laughs> Outcasts and misfits, <laughs> I think you combined. <laughs> Moving on. So, 
So essentially it's how that decision plays out of, of choosing to stay and choosing to uh, play with the foxes instead of continuing to run and try and hide from his yeah, past. Because he has no family now at this point, no friends really. He's kind of good at this sport that is somehow popular in the United States. We don't know why. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it's really about that decision he makes and the uh, violence and problems that ensues from that and uh, how that affects the other players on the team as well and how some of their past come into play. Yeah, so you told me I had to read this series. You weren't sure if I was going to like it, though. Um, I recommended it to someone else, hey Elizabeth, that... Third time <laughs> in a row, no inside jokes. She's actually listening, though. Oh, God. Um, so I recommended someone else who had kind of mixed feelings about it as well. It is uh, sometimes not super well-written mm. in terms of explaining things properly, um, but I found it very addicting, like very fast-paced to get through, um, and I was intrigued by some of the characters. And right. I love a good sports drama. I mean, like Yuri on Ice, we've talked about a bit, and we'll yep. hopefully do it in a later podcast. Like, we're watching Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Like, remember the Titans is one of my favorite Blades movies. Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. <laughs> um, like Angels in the Outfields. I yep. love a good sports drama. So I already liked that aspect of it, even if the sport was a bit confusing. Yeah, so I struggled a bit to get through the first book specifically. So my grades for them on book digits were D-plus for book one, <laughs> C plus for book two and B minus for book three. So I did feel like the series got better as it went along, mostly because the author filled in a lot of the backstory that was really jarring in the first one when you're presented with this protagonist who is so grim and so serious and everything he runs into is life or death. And you're just like, why? You're just a high school kid playing a real weird sport. Like just yeah. chill out, kid. And she doesn't. Um, excel with the first books. I remember I reread it recently, but upon, upon the first reading, I was very confused about who was Aaron and who was Andrew and yeah, who was, was who and what the sport was going on. And One critique I had advice for her, and you see this a lot with self-published authors, is just picking character names that you hear too much in everyday life. So everyone in this book had normal Americanized male names. You Matt, had Kevin, Aaron, Andrew, Andrew, Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I know Aaron and Andrew are twins, but I, I was, she was tried to do this whole thing and one of them was pretending to be the other one. Mm. And I still didn't know which one was which. So that was not really very effective for me. Um, and then I, the kind of connections of the mob family were pretty confusing as well. Yes. Like took away from the suspense or the drama of it because you're like, wait, which one is that? Yeah. And I had a similar issue like I had in Captive Prince trilogy where the bad guys show up on the page very infrequently, not really until the, the second and third books. And it just, it lessens the suspense a little bit for me when they're, you're scared of these people who are not, you know, coming into contact with the main characters. And there's much. also some confusion about like, who was the real bad guy? And I know sometimes that added drama because you're like, oh, shit, everybody wants to kill this kid. Mm. But a lot of the on screen, on page drama was with Rico who was not really the villain in the last book. No. He kind of um, causes what happens to Neil with the with the actual villain. Yeah. But the the on screen antagonist mm -hmm. isn't really involved in the climax of the last book no. at all. So there's a little bit of a not even a red herring, because it's not really a bait and switch. It's more of just a uh you see him on the page and then there's really someone else who's the worst villain all along. Yeah. And my overall annoyance with the book was that I don't know, I just never bought into the college setting that it was supposedly taking place in. Um, it just didn't feel very real to me. It felt like it was kind of like a middle grade novel mixed with 
a lot of violence. With, yeah, like and with a, a James use. Patterson crime yeah. thriller or something, which made it very unique. I certainly have not read anything like it uh, this year for sure. Uh, but yeah. Like, yeah, like kind of like a middle grade sports story with excessive violence and excessive alcohol and drug use. Yes. Um, I would say the thing that really sold it for me, I, I agree with most of what you're saying, okay. but I know that I tend to value books that are different, yeah. that catch my attention. I want to keep reading. The last couple books I've read from the library, I've been really struggling to even keep reading them. This book, I like literally stayed up late reading it and like immediately started the next book. Yeah. So I give it points for like urgency in the writing. Yeah. But I'm, I really love, like, a good, like, found family story, This if you is will. the term you're using, found family. I don't know what the better term is. You like, love lonely people who find other people to make them a little less lonely. Kind of. Like, the friends become family kind of mm-hmm. trope. Um, I... I'm such a sucker for You're that. You're a sucker for it. I am. Like, it's like, he was so unhappy in the first book, and then by the end of the, fir- the last book, he's found someone that he wants to be in a relationship with. He has this wonderful family now in his teammates. He has, like, a father figure in the coach. He has a future. Like That coach was not a good role model. I don't know if he should be the father figure. He's not a good role model, but he gave them all second chances and believed in them. Gave over them all over. a lot of booze, too. I guess, but... Um, I think in the scheme of things, that's a lot of... <laughs> he didn't try to murder anyone with an axe. <laughs> so I think, good guy. I think his uh, threshold for being a good guy is a little bit uh, lessened. It's all relative. It's all relative, exactly. So, um, yeah, I just really like that development, that he starts off as this scared kid who has nowhere to go, nowhere to run, no future at all. And then it ends on a fairly optimistic note. Did you think the ending was a happy ending? Um, spoilers I was, here for anyone who might. Yeah, I wasn't really sure. I had to check with you afterwards. <laughs> if it was. I remember after the first time I read it, I didn't really think it was a happy ending. And yeah. upon rereading it, I think even though it's not necessarily the happiest ending, I think it's a realistic ending to the book. Okay. Um. So, real spoiler here. So it basically ends with him making a deal with the head of the Japanese mafia in the U.S. Yeah. and basically saying they'll protect him from his father and from Rico and from some of the other antagonists if he gives 80% of Certain his... cut, yeah. Yeah, he gives them a cut of, of his future salary and future winnings and same thing for two other characters in the book that are under their kind of control. Yeah, I just didn't quite get it. There wasn't a lot of negotiation about that figure, the 80%. Everyone just gave <laughs> into it. Sounded good. Negotiation was either this or death. Yeah, I guess. Um, I think the first time reading it, I was like, okay, the whole book has been about him finding his freedom. He's still tied to this mob family in the end. Yeah. But upon the second time of reading it... Um, I don't think it would have been realistic if through two and a half, almost three full books, you're basically saying he's running away from these people and they're super dangerous. And then at the end, just have to be like, just kidding, you're free. Like, yeah. I think it it would invalidate a lot of the other plot points that you thought were maybe a bit overdone if all of a sudden he's just like scot-free. So I think it's realistic that he still has some kind of bargain to uphold or deal to make. But it protects him from all these other people that have been chasing him for 10 years or whatever. And leaves the door open for another sequel. <laughs> the trilogy could become a quartet. I don't think so. Um, tough question. Yeah? Would you recommend it? Would I recommend it? Or who, to whom would you recommend it if you, if you had to recommend it? Uh, people with very eclectic reading interests. And it's yeah. a very unique book. So maybe people yeah. that are like want a kind of young adult book but are sick of the same. Yeah, if you don't want dystopian and you don't want apocalyptic John Green killing off sexy teenagers. They had cancer. They were still sexy. Okay. 
Um, so this is an, an alternate option for you, yeah. I suppose. Very alternative. Yes. So we won't spend any more time on the Foxhole Court because probably only one of you has actually <laughs> read it. Um, and we're going to finish off today. Yeah. Something a little bit different. The last couple episodes we've done upcoming things that we're looking forward to. Yeah. Um, we've decided to be a bit cynical this week yeah. and talk about upcoming things that we are absolutely not looking forward to. Let's talk about shit. <laughs> things that are shitty. <laughs> upcoming things that probably will be shitty. <laughs> okay. You have your list. You do yours and then I'll do the clincher. All right. So the first one I want to talk about that I've been seeing a lot about recently is the new Dirty Dancing. Okay. We've recently discovered you've never seen the first one. No, I know all the catchphrases, and I've seen other movies... No, Baby in a Corner, terrible. I've seen other movies do the jump and the move, but I've never seen the movie. So, so first of all, I'm sick of all of these TV remakes. Mm -hmm. At first, I thought it was another live remake, (laughs) like the Grease one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Not not Lion King live. (laughs) Live actors. (laughs) Um, No, I thought it was another, like, live televised production. Right. Turns out it's just literally a made-for-TV remake. Okay. Which seems useless. Hmm. Um... I don't even, I just don't understand what the draw is. Like, at least, like, the Havana Nights sequel had, like, a hot Cuban. Okay. <laughs> you have no idea what it's all There was Dirty Dancing Havana Nights that was, like, a same storyline, but in a yeah. different setting. But at least had, like, a hot Cuban guy. Yeah. And. See what your priorities are. But, like, Baby and Johnny, mm-hmm. like, the two main characters, <laughs> okay. like, the least interesting storyline. There's a very interesting side plot about abortion. There's an interesting side plot about, like, the social class differences between the people at the resort. Like, that's the stuff that makes the movie interesting to watch. It's not, like, sheltered girl falls in love with dancer boy and it's forbidden. It's probably just a two-hour-long promotion for Dancing with the Stars or something, right? Maybe, but I also just don't understand the casting. We've had this discussion recently about some other movies, but if you're going to do a remake, fucking remake it. Don't make it just two white leads have doing the same exact story. Add something different to it. I know the whole point is it's supposed to be, like, a social class thing. Like, she's from an upper class and Mm. he's, like, the worker class. Never seen that before. Yeah, but, like, why not do, like, a race bend of it? Why not do a gender bend? Why not have it be the boy that's sheltered and the girl that's the dancer? Hmm. Why not have it be lesbian storyline or a gay storyline? Like, why not add something to it? If you're going to remake it, add something to it. And I know this goes against what we said about Beauty and the Beach, which we just liked the... Yeah. We're going to pick and choose. <laughs> yeah. So what's the verdict? <gasps> Shit. Yeah, this is shitty. I don't want to watch it. Okay, next. Um, another TV show or TV thing that I don't want to watch. Yeah. Um... The Raven Cycle, the book series by Maggie Stiffvetter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to say name, her last okay. name. She wrote this quartet uh-huh. of four book series. Loved the first, like, three books. Was really into it. Like, really unique. There's a lot of, like, magical realism slash actual magic, but in the real world. Um, really interesting st- characters and storylines and friendships. And then the fourth book was so bad. Like, last season of Lost Bad. Like, it was just, she introduced all of these new storylines. Like, they always say when you're writing an essay, like, in the conclusion paragraph, you shouldn't introduce new points. Mm. That was what she did, but in the last book, all of a sudden, there was all of these different points of view that nobody cared about that she was introducing. Didn't give enough time to the actual characters and relationships that she spent three books building up. And the ending of how she brought everything together was just not satisfactory at all. And it's going to become a TV series. So supposedly it's going to become a TV series, like, very early. Like, I don't even know. I think probably someone has just bought the rights for it. It's pretty yeah. early on. But I'm not excited about it because of that last book. Like, a year a year ago, I would have been psyched. I would have been like, this is mm. going to be amazing. Now, I'm just so soured on it from that last book. So, so shitty that you won't even watch it? 
We'll see. I'll keep an eye on it and see like who they cast. And like, I don't even remember what network it was going to be on. If there's a sexy Cuban, you'd probably watch. <laughs> Maybe. Um, my only hope is that they will completely change the ending because the TV producers will realize how shit that last book That's is. possible. And they'll just completely change the plot. Like, I know the Gossip Girl that like, yeah. went off the books like after a season or two. Yeah. So I'm hoping with this, they may just kind of go off book. I guess it depends on how much... Um, permission they have from the author to make changes and stuff but i'm hoping that they will realize how shitty the ending is and go off book on that so for now verdict shit shit okay next um one more one that i want to talk about okay. this is was almost my bad week because i was like infuriated when i read this uh-huh. the avatar the movie sequels the james cameron cameron movies <laughs> yeah four sequels <sighs> starting in the year 2020 and a theme park. Are you fucking the kidding me? The first one isn't until 2020? The first of the sequels is not until 2020, and then it's like 2022, 2024, 2026 or something. They're filming them sequentially, like Lord of the Rings style. I just feel bad for James Cameron, because obviously he'll always be infamous for Titanic, but he's really invested in this blue Pandora world, and no one else cares anymore. I don't feel bad for James Cameron at all. Oh. No, it's... I don't understand... I. Will people even go see it? It'll be in 40 by then. I hope the first one flops and they're like, fuck, what do we do with these other three bajillion dollar movies we've produced? You turn them into porn, probably. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I just, nobody cares. I know that movie made a lot of money and that's all that matters in Mm. Hollywood because it was one of the first to like intentionally do 3D and it was a cool world. But if he thinks that in 2020, like literally 10 years after it's come out, because I was at, I was... Still at you or I. Yeah. Because I remember we showed it for Earth Day one year. Okay. Ten, it'll literally be ten years later. If he yeah. thinks any of those same people are going to be like, oh, I wonder what happened to that Jake guy in that blue people world. Huh. And is going to go pay to see these movies or pay to see the theme park. No. He's out of his fucking mind. I know James Cameron is meant to be out of his mind to begin with, but this yeah. is, who paid him to do this? I don't know. I, I can't. I can't even handle it. I'm too angry to talk about it. Okay. So... We'll move to yours. You had to pick between that and Barb. Well, I, this one fit a little better with our, like, wow. things, were, things were not looking Cutting pleasure. edge stuff. Things that again. will be shitty. And the worst thing about the Avatar mm-hmm. movies is that they confuse people who want to watch Avatar The Last Airbender, a very good yeah. anime children's TV show, which is worth watching. They confuse that with this terrible movie that's not going to be a terrible quintet? Five movies? Misappropriation. <laughs> Too Verd- drunk to say these words. Verdict. Shit. Shit. Uh, okay, so one last piece of shit before we leave <laughs> you today. Um, okay, Heather, you ready for this? Australian network TV in general is shit As here. As we talked about. They have one channel, which I guess is supposed to be like the HGTV of Australia, but they just show like the worst reruns of, House, of House Hunters and all these reno shows. All these housing shows. Look at you using Australian slang. Look, at, look at me. Renovations. Um, and so our favorite, I think, has to be... What? What's it even called? It's called Flip or Flop. Oh, that horrible lady and her terrible husband. Her husband. Oh. We couldn't figure out his name because they muttered it throughout the show. It's Tarek. T-A-R-E-K. Okay. And Christina. So they're the ones where you watch for whatever it is, an hour of them arguing about whether they're going to buy this shitty house, try to make it a little bit less shitty. And the investor or the financier is always like, you probably shouldn't buy this house, it's shit. And they're like, no, we'll buy it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, And so the news about this show is that apparently 
Tarek and Christina were married, which I didn't even know watching the show. You just thought they had maybe a little fling together. I thought they were because of how much he just pushed over to all her decisions. <laughs> well, the news is is that they are in Splitsville. They have gotten a divorce as of four months ago, but they have no other avenues for professional success. So they are going to continue to film the current season. The only thing that I could think of that's worse than housing renovations yeah. is housing renovations with your divorced spouse. Yeah. I actually think that Australian television producers are like really, really excited because they try to make every show possible here into a soap opera. It's so, true. All of their ridiculous dating shows, the seven year itch yeah. and married at first sight. Yeah. And what's the forbidden marriage or what's that one? <laughs> yeah. So this is just taking a renovation show and mixing it with a divorce drama. So it's basically the Australian wet dream. Yeah. Because they love all of their like kitchen and reno shows and then they love all of these ridiculous like uh, marriage drama shows and yeah. now they're just going to merge them into one. So seventh season of Flip or Flop our verdict is <gasps> shit. It was always shit always but this shit. is probably going to be extra probably shitty. Probably shitty. Alright. I think we did well this week. It's a bit long. Thank you if you kept listening through all of this. Yeah. And remember to check out all of the links we talked about. I will do my best to post them on Twitter over the next couple days. Our Twitter handle for the show is at ddgetdown. And our personal Twitters are at heather324. And at Bennett Gavish. Before we leave, Heather, you mentioned that you actually remembered an instinct song that you really liked. Can you just give us a little flavor of that? Dirty pop. Oop. I can't beatbox, so I won't even try. Uh, um, Dirty Pop should have been my answer for last week, but I was too uh, excited to talk about Backstreet Boys, yeah. so I missed my chance. So Dirty Pop would be my answer, right before Justin Timberlake like, went solo. Yeah. And after the bleach tips, probably. Um, so that's it for this week, except we'll be coming back with our hour-long fantasy baseball segment no. after this. We're no. going to do it someday. No fantasy baseball. Thank you for listening if you made it this far, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you.